the dove. Ooh, okay. Thanks, Dave. Good, good morning. Um, welcome to School for Course in Miracles. And today's topic is level confusion. And uh, in, in celebration of that, I, I took one of my favorite slogans, which I'll lean forward so you can read. And I made, made a hat with the recovering dream repair specialist on it. Because I, I figure we're all, we're all in that category. Um, so hopefully by the end of the session, we'll be able to take that, those hats off, vir virtual hats that we're all wearing most of the time and not consciously aware of it. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, just to, to start out, I, I, I made, made a few notes here and, and, and I just realized with the topic of level confusion, um, because it's such uh, an immensely um, popular thing and we do it so often and it covers so much ground, I, I just put, you know, we need to be infinitely patient and gentle with ourselves and everyone as we allow Holy Spirit to guide us through the forgiveness process. And, and of course, an important part of that is uh, that process is undoing level of confusion because we, we want to confuse the levels as egos because that's part of its, its subterfuge and, and uh, you know, camouflage and <laughs> decoy and all that kind of stuff. So we have enormous resistance to undoing our ego identity investment because we think uh, that the, the level of confusion protects us or serves us in some way, but it merely prolongs our suffering. So I thought would be actually, I was reading today's uh, workbook lesson and then the preface for it, which is, this is actually the first one of the, uh, one of the 14 of what is, is in the, in the second part of the workbook. And I thought I'd just read it because it's fairly short and it really fits in nicely because the way that we undo level confusion is by trusting, drum roll please, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so if you go to section seven in the what is, is in part two of the, of the workbook, um, we have, what is the Holy Spirit? I'll, I'll read the first paragraph here. The Holy Spirit mediates between illusions and the truth. Since he must bridge the gap between reality and dreams, and there's the, the, <laughs> that, those two levels, perception leads to knowledge through the grace that God has given him to be his gift to everyone who turns to him for truth. Across the bridge that he provides are all dreams carried to, truth, to the truth to be dispelled before the light of knowledge. There are sights, there are sights and sounds forever laid aside. And where they were perceived before, forgiveness has made possible perceptions tranquil end. So, does anybody there and want to read the second paragraph? Can you tell me where you are? Oh, Judy. Yeah, uh, yeah um, we're on uh, section seven and the what is is of the 14 what is is in the part two of the workbook which is, uh, let's see, it'd be right before workbook lesson 280, 281 rather, right it's after. Page, it's, uh, it's page 437. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. I'll, I'll read the second one then. Uh, the goal the Holy Spirit's teaching sets is just this end of dreams. For sights and sounds must be translated from the witnesses of fear to those of love. And when this is entirely accomplished, learning has achieved the only goal it has in truth. For learning, as the Holy Spirit guides it to the outcome he perceives for it, becomes the means to go beyond itself to be replaced by the eternal truth. So there he's talking about uh, level, level one above, <laughs> above the line in, in Ken's 
metaphysical chart and and that level I, I think we know is what we where we really are all eternally on some level we know that <laughs> at the level of the mind um, but because we're so immersed and so uh, well-versed and practiced in believing that we're something else and a substitute, um, we need to really focus on, as the Course reminds us, to just look at all of our projections and use Holy Spirit's guidance to, to undo those, right? So anybody at that page yet want to read the third paragraph? Yeah, this is Stephen. I'll do it. Okay, thanks, uh, Stephen. Sure. I lost myself there. Uh, if you but knew how much your father yearns to have you recognize your sinlessness, you would not let his voice appeal in vain, nor turn away from his placement, his replacement for the fearful images and dreams you made. The Holy Spirit understands the means you made by which you would attain what is forever unattainable. And if you offer them to him, he will employ the means you made for exile to restore your mind to where it truly is at home. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. And, and the means, of course, is forgiveness. And, and what forgiveness does is correct the levels. Right? So anyone for paragraph four? Before, uh, before you do that, Bruce, um, <laughs> since we have a couple of new people. Um, oh, okay. For, can sure. you briefly explain what you, what, from your point of view, what you think level confusion uh, no, what, how many levels there are, and sure. then what does level confusion even mean? Sure, that's the thank you. Good, excellent idea. Yeah, the, the three main levels really are, uh, you know, the perfect oneness, spirit, God, all, the all-encompassing uh, identity that we all share, the truth. That would be our, our essence that's above the line in, in Ken Wapnick's chart, if anybody's seen that chart, and I imagine a lot of you have. And that's, that's really where we never left. We, we've always been, are now, and will, will forever be. <laughs> and, but we're having this massive dream that we, we left there somehow. And it's you know, made this enormous hallucination. Uh, so that's the, the, the first level is that, that true reality. Below that uh, is the tiny mad idea, which is the level of the mind where um, we go from capital M mind to the, the little M mind where we split apart uh, in our imagination only from perfect oneness. And we, at that moment, the t in the tiny mad ideas, um, you know, courses of metaphysics, th that level is where both the ego and the Holy Spirit reside. And the ego is, is really the choice, the, the desire to want to be separate from that perfect oneness. And the Holy Spirit is the instantaneous correction that happened the instant that idea was, was entertained. And, and, fixed it basically it's already fixed but <laughs> so that's that second level the, the mental level and then because the the unconscious guilt from that imagined split was so great we didn't want to deal with that and so we wanted to get out of our our minds and so we made up a whole universe of space and time and bodies and personas and and everything's from quarks to quasars and, and everything in between. And so we, we decided, okay, we'll hang out there and we can project our unconscious guilt. And so that third level then at the bottom is the world of form, materiality, space, time, uh, matter, energy, you know, people, stuff, and, and <laughs> galaxies and whatnot. So on, on that level, um, which exists truly only in the mind, but we believe it, you know, we, we're, our minds are so powerful, we believe that we were able to pull off this 
this projection, um, that's, that's where we think we are. And so the course meets us where we think we're at uh, by helping us address the things that we think are grievances in the world and get back to the mind. And that's why the, the, the three steps of forgiveness really, I think, fit nicely with that process of going from the level of form where we, we ascribe blame and, and, and hang out with our projections to back to the mind through, first of all, um, the, like lesson five suggests, I'm never upset for the reason I think. We think there's stuff in the world that's going on. You know, this year, they might have a few examples <laughs> going on this year of things that we think are upsetting us. But, but those are smoke screens, decoys, uh, you know, sleight of hand that the ego magician uses to try to divert our attention from where the real problem is, which is always and only in the mind. And in particular, it's in the decision-making faculty of the mind where that's in that, in that middle level, if you will, where we choose between ego and Holy Spirit 24 seven, 365. And so, um, but we're constantly running around trying to fix the dream. <laughs> and we don't even know we have this hat on. We, we, we think, oh, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, keep fixing the dream and, and, and you know, eventually it'll all work out. And, and uh, you know, that's the ego's uh, strategy, but as Ken Wapnick says, it's a maladaptive solution to a non-existent problem. You know, the 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 world really isn't the problem. Uh, it's at least the the external world is is the world in the mind that's the problem. So there, that's kind of the heart of the love of confusion. So, how's how's that for a a quick synopsis? That's good. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we should we go back to the? Uh, uh, I think the, we're on pa we're on pa paragraph four. I'll do it. Okay, um, thanks, Ken. Thanks. Page 437, 437 in the workbook. Uh -huh. This is what is the Holy Spirit. And from knowledge, paragraph four, which is really that, that first level that Bruce was talking about, the level of heaven. Mm -hmm. From knowledge, where he has been placed by God, the Holy Spirit calls to you to let forgiveness rest upon your dreams and be restored to sanity and peace of mind. Without forgiveness, will your dreams remain to terrify you? And memory of all your father's love will not return to signify the end of dreams has come. So as, as long as, you know, we withhold the, the mercy of forgiveness from ourselves and from each other, um, the dreams of the level that we think we're at are going to continue to torment and terrify and basically mess us up, <laughs> but it's, it's our own self messing. <laughs> it's, it, anyway, right. How about number five? Anyone for the last? Well, I, I was, I was also thinking about the Maytag repairman. Yeah. The Holy yeah. Spirit's kind of like the Maytag repairman because he's sitting around and he doesn't have to fix anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he just exactly. has to like talk to you on the phone and say, you're just dreaming. There's nothing right. to fix. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, that that repair technician, uh, you know, the job description is is the whole from the Holy Spirit's perspective is just uh, remind the mind that what it, the ego mind that's what it sees is false. <laughs> from the ego's perspective, is like we got to fix this whole thing, you know. And there's there's you know it's an this impossible task. Yeah, so. totally totally opposite perspectives. Yeah, thanks. How about number five? Anyone? Kathy, thanks. Accept your father's gift. It is a call from love to love. That is, 
that it be but itself. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is his gift by which the quietness of heaven is restored to God's beloved son. Would you refuse to take the function of completing God when all he wills is that you be complete? Great rhetorical question, huh? <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Kathy? Oh, every time I read something in the book, I have a hundred million thoughts that I am still trying to pull all together. So. Yeah. And, and we're all doing that. I think, I think it's because we're all so well-versed in level confusion and trying to, you know, repair the dream <laughs> that, you know, we forget that that's not what's going to work. And like, like, like Tim pointed out eloquently, <laughs> you know, when we, when you do ask for Holy Spirit's help, um, what, what happens is, we just get a, a, a peaceful, gentle reminder that nothing happened. You know, there's nothing in the world. We need do nothing. There's nothing in the world we have to fix. Um, but that, that, that intermatag repairman waits around most of the time <laughs> for, for us to call on, on that awareness. So. Lynn had something. Oh, okay. Lynn. Uh, yeah. Thanks. I, I was struck by the, um, the sentence that says the quietness of heaven is restored to God's beloved son and realizing that I am so attached to the rage that um, I'm feeling these days that on the one hand, oh, the quietness sounds fabulous, but boy, the rage is just really gripping. And, um, you know, that that's really the choice that I'm sitting with these days is... Um, and, and I'm trying to, you know, just to not judge the rage, do that thing about, um, you know, don't call it sin, don't uh, invest it with guilt, and don't be afraid of it. So that I really, I, I mean, I, the idea that I had with the course was that I could somehow bypass the part of me that is really attached to um, all of the feelings that, um, that kind of, make me feel alive in this body. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I'm just now, just now getting the idea that they're nothing. They feel like so much, but that when I stop and I look at them without calling them sin, uh, that that's when they dissipate. It's not about trying to somehow be beyond them, um, which is just me trying to, uh, you know, hide the projections. So. Anyway, I, I just really love the reminder over and over again that the quietness is really what I really want. And so thank you. Oh, that. thank you. That was really helpful. Yeah, and as you were sharing that, I was thinking about, you know, the, the quiet center, kind of like the center of the cyclone. That's, that's really, you know, the, at the level of the mind where Holy Spirit can, uh, you know, remind us uh, that all the stuff that's going on around in the periphery is, is not... Um, not our reality, but we need to, we need to use everything that's, that seems to be swirling around us as uh, a mechanism to get back to the mind. So we need to, to look with the Holy Spirit at all the stuff that seems to be swirling around us in this, you know, you know <laughs> maelstrom, hurricane, tornado, whatever metaphor you like, that, that seems to be 24-7, and sometimes, like this year, seems to be accelerating. <laughs> imagine that. Uh, or tr- maybe not imagine that. Um. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking when, when Lynn was talking about, um, you know, some of the banter that's going on around political theater 
is uh, some of the characters are, are reminding us of Mussolini. <laughs> the ego, the ego is like my inner Mussolini. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's stamping its feet. It's raging. <laughs> I, 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 I love my ego has a name now. <laughs> Mussolini. <laughs> Mussolini it, told me. <laughs> it, it's a master of tantrum yoga, right? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> and that, that's our egos. I mean, it really is. It just, yeah, like you say, it just storms around, makes a big deal, you know, puffs up its chest and, and you know, proclaims loudly, you know, that, you know, I want it thus, you know, it's got to be this way or I'm not, not going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I put a few more notes on, on about level confusion. And, and I put, of course, miracles addresses uh, the levels of spirit, pure non-duality in mind, which the ego has seemingly sp split into a dream of duality and body or form, uh, which is the projection of ego, pr projection of ego's misperceptions. Um, and then I was reminded of uh, the quote from Einstein, the, the, one of probably his most famous ones, uh, that we cannot solve our problems at, at, with the same level of thinking that created them. Well, of course, in courses jargon, we'd replace created with made because <laughs> it's all made up. Uh, you know, problems obviously have nothing to do with creation, but but that because our minds are so powerful, we we think we made uh, you know some some pretty hefty problems, and we need to address them on the level that, that um, where they can really be solved. But it doesn't hurt to use magic either. Um, to and and because where we think we're at sometimes is is on the level of form, Holy Spirit says, yeah, use the magic, you know, do what you think you need to do um, in order to minimize the fear. But then, you know, when you have a moment of peace, when you can step back into the quiet center, uh, you, know, <laughs> and, you know, not get, get quite so sucked up in the tornado for, as often as you can, just, you know, remember that the, where they're going to be solved is in the mind. I'm, I'm also, um, I was also reminded of a, a great little story that I first heard in a psychology class when I was a undergraduate at UC Davis taking a class from Charlie Tart who invented the the phrase altered states of consciousness. He had some really interesting Judy knows of Charlie, yeah. <laughs> some interesting stuff. I really enjoyed his classes and and he uh had us read one of Idir Shah's books, and, and it was a story about Mullah Nasruddin. And uh and I, I Googled us, found this on the web, and uh and it goes, Someone saw Nasruddin searching for something on the ground. What have you lost, Mullah? He asked. My key, said the Mullah. So they both went down on their knees and looked for it. After a time, the other man asked, where exactly did you drop it? In my house. Then why are you looking here? And then he replies, there's more light here than inside my own house. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we're, we're out groping around under the street lamp and knowing full well that, that you know, the key's there in the house, but not under the street lamp. But you know, we, we continue to look for it outside <laughs> where, where we're not going to find it because the ego strategy is seek but do not find right it's basically um again ken's favorite phrase of uh, maladaptive solution to a non-existent problem and when we get to the key with the holy spirit's help we see that nothing happened you know, but we need to go through the steps of forgiveness in order to get to that point. We can't skip over the steps. So we need to use every little irritation, every little annoyance, every little um, unmerciful thought, every grievance, and just say, okay, thank you for that. Because without that feedback from my mind, I wouldn't have a way to get back to it. That's one of the things that uh, 
uh, Ken Wapnick said that I really appreciate. He, he was talking about Freud and um, dreaming. And the Course says, of course, all your time is spent in dreaming. And, and then Freud said, you know, the dreams are the royal road to the unconscious. And so if that's the case, then everything that we experience here as a seemingly separate self is an opportunity to get back from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind and use, but with the Holy Spirit's help, because just consciousness by itself isn't going to cut it. We need Holy Spirit. We need that inner kindness teacher, AKE Jesus of the course, to get back to that place in the mind where we can really forgive because we're, we're, you know, our capacity for judgment and, and figuring it out on our own is essentially nil. <laughs> Snowball's chance in hell, basically, if we try to figure it out on our own. Okay. So yeah, I was just, you know, I pull a comment here. We probably have all heard the story of, of the, you know, the guy into the street lamp or some variation of it. And we can laugh gently at the folly while remembering that we, we do this almost constantly, you know, looking for peace, innocence, respite, and certainty where it cannot be found. And we find we're looking for it in the projected world of our dreams of duality. Um, also, I kind of remember something that was uh, in Richard Bach's Illusions book, you know, that ego savers uh, unsolvable problems to reinforce the justification for martyrdom. Um, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> I have an excuse now for, I can, I can point the finger and it's not in my mind's backyard anymore. It's, it's, <laughs> I threw it over the fence, some, some fence, right? And, and that's the, you know, another level of confusion strategy that's very popular with everyone's ego is, is as long as somebody out there, um, but, you know, we seek problems because we need their gifts, to, to paraphrase Richard Bach. We, we want the problems. We, we want the, the, uh, the upset, and that's the, the seek, but uh, do not find, which actually appears in all three volumes of the course. I, I did a little quick search last night and found <clears throat> three places where it appears. Um, the first is in the text in chapter 16, section 5, paragraph 6. And that is... Uh, uh, the special relationship is a strange and unnatural ego device for joining hell and heaven and making them indistinguishable. And the attempt to find the imagined, quote, best, unquote, of both worlds has merely led to fantasies of both and to the inability to perceive either as it is. The special relationship is the triumph of this confusion. And that's the level of confusion. It is the kind of union from which union is excluded and the basis for the attempt at union rests on exclusion. What better example could there be of the ego's maxim, seek but do not find? So, you know, again, looking for <laughs> what we really want where it can never be found is uh, pretty silly when we, when we are honest with ourselves and listen to Holy Spirit's advice. So the next place is in the workbook on uh, workbook lesson 71, paragraph four. And it goes, such is the ego's plan for your salvation, which is, you know, whatever doesn't work, <laughs> basically. So he continues, surely you can see how it is in strict accord with the ego's basic doctrine, seek but do not find. For what could more surely guarantee that you will not find salvation than to channelize all of your efforts in searching for where it is not? So looking for love in all the wrong places. 
or as Eddie Murphy said, Wiccan, Wiccan Paneb, and, and something like that in SNL years ago. Okay, um, and the third place where that quote appears is in the manual in section 13, paragraph five. And that paragraph reads, what is the real meaning of sacrifice? It is the cost of believing in illusions. It is the price that must be paid for the denial of truth. There is no pleasure of the world that does not demand this, for otherwise the pleasure would be seen as pain, and no one asks for pain if he recognizes it. It is the idea of sacrifice that makes him blind. He does not see what he is asking for, and so he seeks in a thousand ways and in a thousand places, each time believing it is there, and each time disappointed in the end. Seek but do not find remains this world's stern decree, and no one who pursues the world's goals can do otherwise. And then the, the irony, of course, is that, you know, the Course doesn't say, you know, don't do stuff in the world, don't, don't do things that are fun or pleasurable, but just, you know, if we can just remember to not take them quite so seriously, and particularly the idea that those things can come and go, if, if, there's, if there's anything that is transitory, ephemeral, changing, you know, temporary, um, that, those are clues <laughs> that not good investments, you know, um, and just, you know, if we can just be gentle, gentle in, in reminding ourselves that, that, uh, you know, those projections and identification with those projections isn't really going to make us happy, but we can, we can actually choose to be happy regardless of, what, of what's going on by listening to the Holy Spirit, independent of the, the level of form so but that level of form is is uh you know we're, we're so laser focused on it we're so glued to it that you know the idea of, of i'm never upset for the reason i think is like what <laughs> huh you know if you if you if you ask that of most people you know most of the time most every day uh you don't you know that you know the idea of I'm, I'm a, I want to be upset for the reason I think, by golly, you know, damn it. <laughs> I, I have a lot of investment in being upset for the reason I think. And, and the unspoken, you know, the hidden, the hidden dream, the hidden secret place in the mind is, yeah, I get to keep my identity as long as I have, you know, my pet grievances and, you know, the pet peeves and, and sacred cows of, of, of uh, projection. Um, and we like those as egos because they maintain a separate self, but that never really serves us, never really happy. Speaking of uh, form, I want to acknowledge and celebrate David's resurrection. <laughs> David Delaplane's <laughs> back. <laughs> His form's back. <laughs> Yay, David. Yay, David. <laughs> All right. And, and speaking of another David, I think it's uh, Dave Van Dyke's birthday in the dream. Happy birthday, Dave. Oh, happy birthday, Dave. Oh, and you won't let him read either. He keeps raising his hand to read, and you won't let him read on his oh, birthday. Uh-oh, I, 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 I was licking, licking away. My, my apologies. Go ahead, Dave. What? There's nothing to read. Oh. You want me to read one of the old paragraphs or something? Or what? Oh, I'll, I'll find some other ones later. That was just cruel. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay, well, there, there's my level of forgiveness assignment. Okay, so uh, I looked up um, 
the word level in the course, and I, I found 98 instances of level. So I, I'm not going to read all of them because we obviously don't have much time, that much time. But um, here's one that stood out. The mind returns to its proper function only when it wills to know. This places it in the service of spirit where perception is changed. The mind chooses to divide itself when it chooses to make its own levels. But it could not entirely separate itself from spirit because it is from spirit that it derives its whole power to make or create. Even in miscreation, the mind is affirming its source or it would merely cease to be. This is impossible because the mind belongs to spirit, which God created and which is therefore eternal. So, you know, a real, a real mind, capital M mind, you know, never left capital S spirit. And so if in pure non-duality, there's just one thing, right? <laughs> but where we think we are, we think we split up mind, you know, fragmented into a gazillion, kajillion, <laughs> umptillion <laughs> fragments. And, and we think we pulled it off. And, and we, we seem to have overwhelming evidence from our senses and, and, and the misinterpretation of that data by the ego that convinces us that it, it, we pulled it off, but we didn't. So, you know, it, it seems uh, foolproof from the ego's perspective, but it's not God-proof, happily. So, um, so making up levels is a, you know, a crucial but ineffective ref, refuge for the maker of duality is our doing, not God's. Uh, I think that's you know the another important idea in the course is that you know we we want to blame God and everyone else for our our seeming misfortunes, but the course says you know maybe maybe this didn't happen maybe <laughs> maybe we need to un unmake uh the misery by by seeing that it had no effect on our real identity, so you know that we we need to unmake those those levels. But we need Holy Spirit's help for that. So ultimately, ultimately, the latter disappears, but we still need it for a while as long as we value seeming to get mileage from our suffering. So you know, we need to use every seeming projection of special love, special hate out in the world as a mechanism for getting back to the mind. And, and we can afford to be grateful for everyone, whether they are uh, expressing uh, love or expressing a call for love uh, at any moment as an opportunity to uh, respond with love, respond with kindness, and, and use that as our forgiveness classroom. Okay, so one, one last <laughs> note that I was ma making last night. We need to pra practice giving ourselves and each other more than just a ceasefire from the ego's warfare of judgment so, and condemnation. I was thinking that one of the... Um... The, one of the equally impossible ways of, uh, or one of the equally impossible things to be, even begin to consider, besides I'm never upset for the reason I think, is that we're actually seeking but, but trying not to find. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just, like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeking and I want to find. That's why I'm seeking. <laughs> Right. But, but I mean, it really, I mean, it's, it's like rephrasing lesson five, seek, yeah. but do not find. Mm -hmm. As you're sharing that, Tim, I was thinking, it's sort of like, you know, the, the way the eye works is the eye focuses on a specific thing, but the peripheral stuff, you know, is, is, has far more of the picture to it. 
And it's sort of like, you know, our unconscious mind, the unconscious guilt has a factory that's running full tilt, making, uh, you know, making grievances from our projections and, and, you know, fabricating kind of like if there's speaking of another, another Star Trek episode where there was one of the early Star Trek episodes where they, they landed on a planet and there's these little antennas that, that zoomed around and, and, you know, scanned their thoughts and, and fabricated the things that they were thinking about. But that's kind of like how our grievances do, you know, we're on an unconscious level. We don't realize that we're, you know, we, yeah, we, we put up a good story. Oh yeah. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for love. And yet, like you're saying, Tim, we, you know, but 99% of the manufacturing facility is, is cranking out, you know, future grievances and future upsets, um, just, you know, right and left. Um, but that's, that's really easily undone just by letting Holy, well, simply undone, <laughs> maybe not easily, <laughs> by, by listening to Holy Spirit. And when, when we get those things triggering us, and just say, oh, yeah, I made this up on some level of my mind I'm not aware of, but I need Holy Spirit's help to help me translate that from a grievance to a forgiveness classroom opportunity. And, and then in those moments, we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I was complicit there. I, I really was on that level of the mind that I wasn't, I was choosing not to be aware of intentionally. I was making all this stuff up. And, and I think what the course suggests is that not that the world is going to be this, this utopian place, but at some point we will have attained a level of level of awareness, if you will, that where with enough practice, we've forgiven enough that we no longer uh, feel a compulsive need to be triggered by every little thing. And, and instead of automatically reaching for egos, uh, you know, bag of, of <laughs> quiver behind the back or, or bag of grievances to, to upset us. We reach for Holy Spirit's translation and that says, oh, nothing happened here. I actually have a little example that the other evening that where I was putting this into practice. I, I took my mom to the ER um, nearby here uh, uh, Monday evening. She was having some symptoms from a previous medical situation. And so we thought, well, it's a good time to just, you know, make sure, you know, take care of these things. And so I was waiting there for a number of hours. Fortunately, I had Ken's journey through the textbook with me. I was reading chapter, his commentary in chapter 13, which kind of put my mind in a good, you know, a good place to be, you know, but mindful of what was going on. And so as each person walked into the reception room with this, this parade of, of medical issues as, you know, is likely to happen in a, an ER room, right? Uh, waiting room. Um, I just noticed that my immediate knee-jerk reaction of wanting to say, "Oh, I've got this person figured out. I know what they're what's up with them." Um, you know, I, I was doing a diagnosis <laughs> mentally and physically. You know, as each person entered the room, but it's like, "Wait a minute, what's up with that?" So I just started noticing that. It's like, "Oh, I could see peace instead of this." I could, and I, and I and I allowed Holy Spirit to say, you know, remind me that I. I was clueless and I could just watch my, my, you know, perception change as I noticed each person then became like this, this, you know, perfect being that just happened to be having a dream of these issues. And, and that was my level of confusion healing at that moment. I, I was able to see, you know, sometimes it took, took a few seconds, sometimes a few minutes, you know, uh, depending on the seeming severity of, of what they were complaining about to the receptionist there. But it was, it was just kind of interesting to watch my mind and just see what was going on there and, and see where I was confusing the levels. I was, I was thinking, well, my piece, you know, seemed to be disturbed by every person that came in. And then I realized, no, that, that's my classroom. 
that's that's exactly what I need to be looking at and and see see my projections for what they are is my opportunity to see peace and see everyone there as deserving of that same peace. I was wondering what they thought about you. Did they? You didn't have that hat on, did you? When you were no, there? I didn't. Have, no, <laughs> no, 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 I didn't have the hat on. That's that's just for this group. I figured I could appreciate it. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. That that would might have gotten a few bizarre looks, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it was it was a good exercise, and and I try to I try to practice that as much as I can, and and I, I think it's helpful. So, so of of the uh, 165 instances of the word confusion, uh, of among those in the course, there's only nine actually that uh, have uh, you know level confusion in them explicitly. So I thought I'd just read those because they're not not that many. Um, the first one is one of the first um, miracle principles right at the beginning of the text. Uh, miracle principle number 23 in chapter one, section one. Uh, miracles rearrange perception and place all levels in true perspective. This is healing because sickness comes from confusing the levels. And of course, sickness in the course is always and only about the mind, even though sometimes it seems to be talking about the body. But if even modern physics tells us that that form is is um, mental, <laughs> then uh, that's where we need to start, is getting back to the mind. And as always, uh, getting back to the decision-making place in the mind where the little, the little toggle switch, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time is stuck on, in the ego position and we just need to, to uh, ask Holy Spirit to help us nudge it over to the, the uh, or remind us really that it's, it's, it's our finger that's needed mentally, <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you know, has, in fact, I, we, we were talking about this last night in, in a study group, but it was, and it occurred to me, it's like, well, Holy Spirit really does all the heavy lifting. So it, it's, it's kind of analogous. If you have a light switch um, and the ego switch is in the dark position and the Holy Spirit sort of guides us to that light switch, and and says, you know, here's here's you gotta you gotta throw the switch, but it's it's not difficult. It's you know those little feather light touches kind of thing. Um, but behind the scenes, Holy Spirit not only is it, uh, that awareness guiding us to the switch, but it's also taking care of the utility company and the infrastructure for getting the electricity and the bulb and the wiring and then meeting all the codes and and you know all that stuff. You know, we we don't have to do any of that. We just have to. You know, listen to Holy Spirit to have His guide us to where the switch is, <laughs> and then and then and okay, now flick the switch, <laughs> and then oh yeah, I feel better. <laughs> Amazing how that works, right? So, uh, so the next one of the nine instances of level of confusion is uh, in section uh, no, chapter two, section four. The first couple of paragraphs, the, the first, first paragraph is actually just kind of a preface, but I, I think it gives the foundation. So he says, our emphasis is now on healing. The miracle is the means, the atonement is the principle, and healing is the result. To speak of, quote, a miracle of healing, unquote, is to combine two orders of reality inappropriately. Healing is not a miracle. The atonement or the final miracle is a remedy and any type of healing is a result. The kind of air to which atonement is applied is irrelevant. All healing is essentially the release from fear. To undertake this, you cannot be fearful yourself. So we need Holy Spirit's help to show us that we've been fearful. Get, get the metaphoric hand to the switch 
flick it on, and then then we say, oh well, I I need I needed Holy Spirit's help to to turn the light on, and switch over to you know that unfearful state, because uh, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. You do not understand healing because of your own fear. We're on a, we're on page twenty three in the text, by the way. Thank you, Tim. Sure. Uh, yeah, so this is section two uh, or paragraph. Or, Chapter two, section four, and now, now in paragraph two. A major step in the atonement plan is to undo error at all levels. Sickness or not right-mindedness is the result of level confusion because it always entails the belief that what is amiss on one level can adversely affect another. We've referred to miracles as the means of correcting level confusion for all mistakes must be corrected at the level on which they occur. And of course, that's always and only the mind. Only the mind is capable of error. The body can act wrongly only when it's responding to misthought. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error produces all physical symptoms. Physical illness represents the belief in magic. The whole distortion that made magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. This error can take two forms. It can be believed that the mind can miscreate in the body or that the body can miscreate in the mind. When it is understood that the mind, the only level of creation cannot create beyond itself, neither type of confusion need occur. And so you know, the ideas leave not their source. Uh, <laughs> mantra is, is always appropriate, you know. It's like, okay, if, if ideas never leave the mind, then uh, part of seeing that I'm uh, not upset for the reason I think is just recognizing that whatever specific thing seems to be bugging me or annoying me at the, any given moment is really a choice in the mind that uh, I can, with Holy Spirit's help, correct. Any comments or thoughts so far on that? Tim looks like he has something. To say. I wrote down the other day what you said that uh, ideas leave not if. Ideas leave not their source. The idea of grenades is probably not a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, I think I think that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's another another of the nine instances of of uh, the phrase level confusion or variations of it. Um, this is from also chapter two. This is just another, another section down, section five, paragraph one. Before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in this world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise, <laughs> we have this enormous resistance, don't we? Because we think we're getting some kind of mileage out of our, our egos. Otherwise, they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment, a belief that is already very prevalent. This mis misperception arises in turn from the belief that harm can be limited to the body. That is because of the underlying fear that the mind can hurt itself. So again, the, you know, the outer shield of oblivion is, you know, we think the body is the big deal and we spend an inordinate amount of time, you know, fussing and fretting over what's going on with our bodies in the world. And, and then if we get past that smoke screen, then the inner smoke screen, the inner shield of oblivion is, we believe that there's guilt there. We don't want to go to that place in the mind where there's guilt. <laughs> the ego, ego screams loudly in its tantrum yoga uh, practice. <laughs> and so 
you know, we think we can hurt ourselves mentally, but no, that's not possible either. When he was uh, talking about fear of release, that it's essential that the uh, miracle workers, and uh, I'm on page 24, paragraph one, that miracle workers fully understand um, their fear of release. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if I fully understood my fear of release, I probably wouldn't need the course. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this is all, you know, we, we need all these reminders so that we gradually, you know, get back to that place in the mind where we, where we are ready to, you know, for that final step. But, you know, each, each little bit of forgiveness gets us a little closer to that, huh? I was thinking about Ken's story about Freud, that Freud's patients, his clients would come to him and um, it became pretty obvious to Freud after a while that even though they were paying him (laughs) to help them, there was a part of them that really did not want him to help them, that they really did not, they were afraid of release from whatever symptoms they were trying to get rid of. And, uh, but just, just even acknowledging that possibility no, I'm not afraid of release. I'm paying you to help me release. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that, that tip of the iceberg thing. You know, it's like on the surface we can say, oh, yeah, I want, I want the peace of God. But the inner saboteur is, is in that manufacturing facility, you know, cranking out the, the grievance machine scenarios on a level we're not even consciously aware of uh, in order to keep us <laughs> forever you know, dodging bullets, but, but whole, another metaphor that comes to mind is, is, uh, you know, in the matrix movies where they have the, the super slow-mo and the, and they, they, they dodge the bullets in slow motion. Uh, Holy spirit is kind of like the, the mechanism in the mind that, that allows us to, to see that nothing happened. And there's not, there weren't even any bullets, let alone do we need to dodge them. But if, if we did, we'd, we'd dodge them in slow motion. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay, let's see where we're, okay. Um, yeah, that is because the underlying fear that the mind can hurt itself. None of these errors is meaningful because the miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error. Yeah, thank you, Einstein. Thank you, Freud. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> thank you, Course. <laughs> you know, we, we need to get back to that level of the mind where the decision maker is, and that's the only place that's going to fix it. It is essential to remember that only the mind can create, and that correction belongs at the thought level. To amplify an earlier statement, spirit is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. Nothing to fix there. <laughs> Move along. Not the droids you're looking for. The body does not exist except as a learning device for the mind. This learning device is not subject to errors of its own, bodies are neutral, right? Because it cannot create. It is obvious then that inducing the mind to give up its miscreation is the only application of creative ability that is truly meaningful. So a little more detailed one. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I was thinking about when I'm, when I'm in an ego-based anything and I'm whining about what somebody else is doing, that in a way I'm saying their, their, their fear of release is more than mine. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm afraid of release, but theirs is way more than mine. <laughs> and they don't even know they're afraid. <laughs> like, especially other course students, if they're going down some road where I think, you know, in my ego moments, I think, well, they're really barking up the wrong tree. 
basically I'm just saying they're more afraid of release than I am. I mean, as if that there's comparative levels of fear of release. Mm-hmm. Either I'm afraid of release or I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Tim, because because, you know, there's so many levels that we, we make within the dream of the world and, and the dream of others that we, we assign hierarchies where none exist. And we and, uh, you know, I, it, what you said reminded me of the little little light bulb moments in the ER room uh, the other <laughs> waiting room the other day. It's like I would catch myself and realize I'm clueless. I have no idea where the minds of each of these people are at. And then, and then in fact, there's one lady who, who walked up and described the situation she was having. And, and then she, she walked away, she was laughing, you know, and it's like, realized, well, you know, maybe she's, you know, <laughs> really got this thing handled, but she's just going through the motion and then doing her magic thing, you know, knowing that, that she, that would help her feel less fearful. But it, anyway, it's just kind of, you know, noticing that um, at, at moment to moment, we have no idea. Um, you know, the, the big picture, let alone even the little picture <laughs> in anyone's mind, in, including our own, you know, that we, for the most part, we're, we're kind of clueless about everything as silly, seemingly separate selves, right? <laughs> yeah. So here's another one from also from chapter two in the text. Uh, this is also uh, section five, paragraph five. The sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. It's in one of those bumper sticker <laughs> senses. The means you recognize, you know, this means you recognize that mind is the only creative level and that its errors are healed by the atonement. Once you accept this, your mind can only heal by denying your mind any destructive potential and reinstating its purely constructive powers. You place yourself in a position to undo the level confusion of others. Well, what you're talking about, you know, it's because it's, <laughs> it's, it's always back to, oh, that's right. It's my mind that needs fixing. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> that's right. Whoops. The message you then give to them is the truth that their minds are similarly constructive and their miscreations cannot hurt them. By affirming this, you release the mind from over-evaluating its own learning device and restore the mind to its true position as the learner. So I, I wrote a little bit about this and I put, uh, when we listen to Holy Spirit and learn not to make our specifics and bodies and personal stuff into big deals, in quotes, we halt production on the grievance assembly line in our mind. Then we must further listen to Holy Spirit's counsel regarding the guilt in the secret dream, the level we usually hide from like the plague as egos, <laughs> which shines vaporizing light on our self-incriminating narratives of sin, guilt, and fear. That's the level where change undoing what never was is truly possible and happily inevitable. Peace waits patiently just beyond our classroom of special love hate projections and the film noir projector in our ego mind that plays nonstop horror flicks of God murderer to drive us from our decision-making mind. We gladly binge watch this madness to keep from looking at the level where the locus of the problem resides. So, that's where we. <laughs> I, I'm looking at looking at Derek's photo, <laughs> and, and seeing, seeing this. That's a that's a, a fun picture, and and uh, yeah. But that's that's the, the horror film. You know, it kind of reminds me. It's like yeah, but that's what the ego thrives on. Is is you know freaking ourselves out. You know, we we're binge watching this this horror movie, of of the ego's insanity, because the the little you know asterisk in that 
agreement that we made was, yeah, if you, as long as you keep playing that horror film, you get to have a separate identity and you get to be the victim. And, and we think that there's, that's somehow cool. It's somehow that's giving us something we want. Okay. What, one more from, uh, chapter two. I think that's the last one. Uh, um, being afraid seems to be involuntary, something beyond your own control. Uh, oh, this, by the way, this is, if you want to read on along, this is, uh, chapter two, section six, the first couple of paragraphs. What page are you on? Do you have that handy, Tim? Chapter two, section six. Uh, page 28, 28 at the bottom, paragraph one. Yeah. Thanks. So this one goes, being afraid seems to be involuntary, something beyond your own control. Yet I've already said that only constructive acts should be involuntary. My control can take over everything that does not matter, while my guidance can direct everything that does, if you so choose. Fear cannot be controlled by me, but it can be self-controlled. And there's that little light switch again, <laughs> this feather touch, that's all it takes. Fear prevents me from giving you my control. The presence of fear shows that you have raised body thoughts to the level of the mind. This removes them from my control and makes you feel personally responsible for them. This is an obvious confusion of levels. Okay, and then the second paragraph continues. I do not foster level confusion, but you must choose to correct it. You would not excuse insane behavior on your part by saying you could not help it. <laughs> Devil made me do it. Remember <laughs> Flip Wilson? <laughs> Why should you condone insane thinking? There is a f confusion here that you would do well to look at clearly. You may believe that you are responsible for what you do, but not for what you think. The truth is that you are responsible for what you think because it is only at this level that you can exercise choice. What you do comes from what you think. You cannot separate yourself from the truth by, quote, giving, unquote, autonomy to behavior. And, and boy, don't we try. Just think of all the countless myriad ways. It's like, well, if I do this health regimen or I try this exercise or I <laughs> practice this whatever <laughs> on the level of form, that's going to change my mind. You know, cart before the horse instead of cart before the course. Okay. Um, this is controlled by me automatically as soon as you place what you – what you think under my guidance. <sighs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Whenever you are afraid, it is a sure sign you have allowed your mind to miscreate and have not allowed me to guide it. So again, it's, you know, Holy Spirit is the mechanism for all that we need, including all the level of confusion. I was thinking about uh, Abe's question the other day, like you go visit a sick friend and, um, um, and, you know, on some level, as a Christian, and we know they're doing level confusion, but I mean, it's not like you sit down and read them this paragraph too. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been given an opportunity to practice that since I'm, I'm kind of looking after my, my elderly mom and, and uh, I mean, she, it's interesting because she understands some of the metaphysics. She actually introduced me to the course, you know, back in, in the mid eighties. Um, but 
but she's you know gone off in a bunch of different metaphysical directions but but so most of the time you know we just talk about well now it's time for your meds and and uh, you know here can i help you you know get to the sink and <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know kind of thing and and then we we joke and laugh about different things and then every once in a while when it comes up and when it feels appropriate and we'll talk about metaphysical stuff but but most of the time it's like you know i i, I need to remind myself that I, I, I'm healing my mind at the level where I think I'm at. And so, um, you know, so there's that gentleness, I think, that, that is always, always helpful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so the last, the last quote is, uh, uh, with level of confusion in it, is from chapter three, and uh, uh, it's section two, paragraph five. And I've got uh, his comments here nothing can prevail against the son of god who commends his spirit into the hands of the father by doing this the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its creator we're on uh we're on page 39 by the way thank you Tim. paragraph five yeah all sense of separation disappears the son of god is part of the holy trinity but the trinity itself is one there is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. The single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. Because their hearts are pure, the innocent defend true perception instead of defending themselves against it. Understanding the lesson of the atonement, they are without the wish to attack and therefore they see truly. And of course, the true perception is basically one of total inclusion, right? It's where we, where we recognize that, you know, there's no separation between myself and my mom or the people in the ER waiting room the other day or the drivers on the road or anybody on this screen or anybody I've ever met or thought about <laughs> throughout and beyond time, right? Except, you know, sometimes we just need to be patient with ourselves when we forget that and just like, oh, yeah. Um, I was just uh, thinking when you were talking about... Um, seemingly perceiving level confusion in somebody else and then how do i correct that in them <laughs> well it was never their level confusion was the problem like raylene was saying the other day if i see level confusion in, in you it just simply means i've got it <laughs> right right i'm confused i don't know we're all innocent i don't i think this really makes a difference <laughs> yeah. I yep. think I have to fix you quick, <laughs> so I don't fix me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's always challenging. Well, not always, but you know, it seems like it's one of the biggest challenges I think in the course is realizing that everything is a mirror and and a reflection. And uh, when you, as you said that, Tim, I was thinking of my favorite line in the psychotherapy pamphlet. You know that that healing. You know, paraphrasing as usual, you know, healing begins when the therapist forgets to judge the patient. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's my it's my call for love. It's my forgiveness opportunity, but it includes everyone, and that's that's the beauty of it. Is this? It's not like it's not like the division is still there when we accept that. It's like, oh, we really are all in the same boat, and we are all, you know, we we, we I think we get to oneness through sameness. You know, we, we get. I think Holy Spirit uses that mechanism to show us that we're all the same, and then at some point it's like, oh yeah, the, the barriers and the boundaries just <laughs> drop away altogether. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty much what I had for what's in the course. I did find, uh, I searched on the, the uh, Foundation for Course in Miracles website. I found a really cool, um, a little short little uh, essay that, that uh, 
Ken Wapnick wrote on the course's hidden level. And I'd like to read that and then we'll, we'll, we'll close with uh, a, a workbook lesson. Um, but I think I can read this in a few minutes here. And it's, 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 I thought it was really good and fits with level confusion really nice, really nicely. Um, he says, there is a tremendous amount of misinterpretation that is going on regarding A Course in Miracles. I, don't, I didn't see a date on this particular little essay, but I, I'm guessing it might've been, you know, a, a few <laughs> decades ago <laughs> since it kind of implied that, uh, you know, it's kind of the early, early days of the course when the supplements needed to come out because everybody was think, you know, doing the level of confusion, let's fix the dream. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of the supplements really are geared toward undoing the level of confusion and, uh, and helping us see that from a bunch of different angles, different perspectives. So uh, he continues, and rather this being a trend that will fade away, I don't think it will. You can already see the seeds for the kinds of misunderstandings that people are having, both in terms of their own study of the course uh, certainly their application of what they study to their personal lives, and then unfortunately to their teaching of it. This kind of understanding is due to an idea that I have commented on frequently, level of confusion. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and then he continues, many years ago now, Gloria and I were talking about the course, what it was, its role, etc. And Gloria said something I'd never actually thought of in this way, although obviously I knew it was true. She said she felt this course really had a hidden level to it that practically no one was aware of. Not hidden in the sense that someone was hiding it, that Jesus was deliberately trying to mislead people or, or to be obscuring or to hide what the course was saying, but, this, but that this level was hidden simply because of the tremendous amount of fear that was present in almost all students of the course. Later, we will discuss this more in terms of the fear of losing one's specialness and one's identity. And what exactly that means. Because of the tremendous fear and, and the, the tremendous investments in maintaining one's identity with one's self, little s self, or what one thinks is oneself, <laughs> our self-concept, right? Um, this means almost automatically that one will never really understand these deeper levels of what the Course is talking about and what Jesus' message is. So there's the, you know, certainly, it would be in the realm of the secret dream of, of, of wanting to stay away from the mind uh, where we think the unconscious guilt is. I think Peggy Lee had something, but I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Peggy? Peggy Lee? Uh, Oop, you just muted yourself. Oh, sorry. I didn't know that was on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept for sure. I was really thinking about that. It's good. Yeah, that, that we're that we're all hiding that secret level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mm -hmm. that and that tremendous fear is, at least for myself, it's I'm so afraid of losing that individual perceived self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we haven't done a, a thorough inventory of of what it's actually doing for us have we i mean I, if we had we would need the course right <laughs> and jesus is helping us make that inventory and and looking at where all all of our level of confusions and and kind of you know just you know looking objectively at our minds and, and seeing what the, the payoffs have been for choosing the ego and what the payoffs have been for for choosing holy spirit and until we finally 
you know, generalize and say, hmm, you know, all those ego binges really haven't worked out that well. <laughs> yeah. So Ken, Ken continues. Um, uh, if you do not understand this and, and are continually screening this out, referring to that, that hidden level, um, there is no way you could understand what the Course is saying. And this is what, again, gives rise to all these misinterpretations. The people who misinterpret and misrepresent the Course are not evil, wicked, sinful people, but most of them, unfortunately, lack what the Course is always asking of its students, and that is humility. It is the arrogance and thinking that you understand something when you do not. <laughs> How many times in a given day do we catch ourselves thinking we understand anything, right? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but, but we can be really gentle with ourselves when we have that the little aha moment and this, the light bulb goes on a bit more often. Slowly, surely. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah. It, it is the arrogance and think. Oh, let's see. Yeah. It is the arrogance and thinking that you understand something when you do not. It takes the form in many different places of taking, uh, it, yeah, of taking statements, concepts, and ideas from the course totally out of context, and using them as ways of justifying what you really want the course to be saying to you. So you know, countless ways we can confuse levels, huh? This would be an example of what in the Course Jesus repeatedly speaks about, the mistake of bringing the truth to the illusion rather than bringing our illusions to the truth. And that's certainly a, a classic level confusion strategy of, you know, fix my dream. I've got, I've got my repair <laughs> technician, specialist, whatever hat on. I, I'm going to fix that dream by golly. Okay. I heard, a, I heard about a, a meeting on Sunday. Um, I guess it was Sunday where, uh, it was a long time course student and they were justifying not wearing masks because nothing's real. And so, I mean, there were a number of course students there at that meeting that pretty much freaked out. <laughs> but he, he, he evidently went on, on a nut. I mean, it'd be as wacky as me justifying wearing a mask because the course told me to. I mean, either way, it's all about behavior, but just right. that he was, right. he was so sure. <laughs> that the course was telling him it's okay not to wear a mask anywhere he was going. He was going around older people too. So mm -hmm. he was sure it was all right. And then I thought, Oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's plenty of magic in the term in, in the realm of seat belts and health insurance and you know, the list goes on and on, but yeah, if magic helps, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's just important to just watch, you know, how quickly we can get into that and then and keep asking Holy Spirit for, you know, being mindful about, you know, what we're at, we're trying to add or subtract from, from things and, and change the levels. Uh, let's see. Let's read that one again. Uh, it, it is the arrogance and thinking you understand something when you do not. It, it takes the form in many different places of taking statements, concepts, and ideas from the course totally out of context and using them as ways of justifying what you really want the course to be saying to you. This would be an example of what in the course Jesus repeatedly speaks about, the mistake, oh, I did finish that paragraph, okay, bringing the truth to illusion rather than bringing our illusions to the truth. Okay, as you know, this is the fundamental process that forgiveness of or the miracle represents, that we bring our illusions to the truth of the Holy Spirit's presence in our minds. It's like if you want to vaporize darkness, <laughs> taking a little tiny 
candle out of the sun and, and trying to illuminate Carlsbad Cavern is probably not nearly as effective as, as taking a little bit of a, the darkness of the cavern and, and, and uh, launching it to the sun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Holy Spirit's, okay. Um, let's see, where we go. okay. Uh, we bring our illusions of the truth to the Holy Spirit's presence in our minds. In doing that, we would finally be able to look at these illusions without judgment and without guilt, thereby letting them go. This course, however, is so fearful to everyone's ego because of what it is what truly is truly saying that we can almost inevitably, oh, that what one almost inevitably does is translate the course into the language that one can understand, including plenty of level confusion initially. So we need to be really patient with ourselves huh? while we catch it and, and allow Holy Spirit to help us correct it. The problem is that the language that one can understand is the language of specialness that preserves one's individual identity and therefore the identity of everyone else and ultimately the seeming reality of the world. And that's the whole purpose for confusing the levels is keeping the dream intact, right? The problem is that we do not know this is what we're doing and we think that we are understanding and mastering the course. We think that by teaching the course over and over again, we're going to learn it and we're not aware that learning this course is really really means that we must question, as Jesus says at one point, every value that we hold. And that's from the introdu introduction to chapter 24. The most important of these values is the value of our own specialness, the value of our own identity and believing that we're really here when we're not really here at all. This means that most people, excuse me, this means that people are studying the a Course in Miracles so they can learn it and live it will not be learning it at all because they will be going in a totally different direction from where the Course is leading them. And then the last paragraph of this is, so sincerity in terms of our approach to the Course is not enough. That is what Jesus means when he says, trust not your good intentions, they are not enough. And that classic line is from chapter 18, section four, paragraph two. Judy, uh, Judy Hitz. Oh, Judy? Yeah. I mean, Bruce, of course, I'm sort of saying amen to that. But I mean, one of, the, one of the things is that, for instance, I was thinking about level confusion and, you know, um, the difference between bringing um, Jesus to me or me to Jesus, who I think is me. And actually, I find that's not only hard to, in a way, understand. It's also hard, it's also, re, you know, difficult to kind of be aware when you're doing it. So it's like, no matter, you know, when I read the course, I have, like Ken says, you have to be, I think I have to be, um, to take things and really work at understanding them. Um, because, well, just what you said, I, th I, th I can think I understand something and I don't. I mean, when I worked on my presentation for the metaphysics, I mean, the greatest part of that was it forced me to really, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. understand it. Um, but then the next week somebody said something and I realized, holy I didn't get that. I didn't really understand that. Um, yeah. And 
humbleness is certainly a prerequisite. <laughs> so oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of okay. like you you get up to the top of what you think is is Mount Everest, and you realize, oh, well, I'm damn, I'm just in the foothills. <laughs> in the foothills, I'm underwater. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, more 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 accurately, right? Yeah. At, yeah. The, at the end of uh, at the end of chapter one, he, he goes, um, Jesus, you know, pretty much admonishes Helen and Bill. You really need to study these early chapters, or you're not going to understand what's happening down the road. I mean, you know, specialness is not going to make any sense if you, and, and it's really hitting me as you're going through these early sections in these first few chapters, how much he really developed this idea of level confusion. Yeah. And that if we don't even get that intellectually, how, how in the world could specialness, what, like what Peggy Lee was talking about, even, how would I ever get in touch with that? <laughs> you know, like, like what, what does that mean? But this idea, though, he, he really is just really almost relentless about there's level confusion. You don't even know you got it, but you got it. <laughs> and, you, and you need to at least be aware of that intellectually before you get to these later chapters that start talking about all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it really is a developmental uh, course, even though it's a holographic, but, but, you know, if you read it end to end, you know, as you've been doing this last year, it, it just opens it up so beautifully. Yeah. To, to Judy's uh, uh, comment question, I, I was thinking, you know, cause I've kind of grappled with that too, is, you know, what's the difference between bringing light to darkness or darkness to light. And, and to me, it's, I, I think it, uh, I just hadn't really thought about it in that context, but I think when I, when I recognize when I'm kind of arguing for something, when, that's usually a clue that I'm trying to bring the light to the darkness. You know, I, I, when, when I'm, when the, when I'm bringing the darkness to the light, there's usually that's at a moment when that's dropped away, when I'm no longer, you know, you know digging in my heels and, and staking my claim and, 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 you know, defining the turf of, of you know, what I will accept and won't accept. Oh, <laughs> that's geez, usually a clue, decided. right? I never do that. I never. You know, <laughs> oh, no, not moi. <laughs> I don't ever argue. Who, moi? <laughs> no, never. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, we, we wouldn't need this course if we weren't such such talented, you know, rhetoricians or whatever the, the term is, you know, for arguing for our limitations, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, I, th I think I've got time for, can I read this? Can I go a minute or two past? I think, let me read this last uh, paragraph from, from Ken and then we can, conclude. Uh, so Ken says, so in sincerity in terms of the, our approach to the course is not enough. That is what Jesus means when he says, trust not your good intentions. They are not enough. What you really need, as he explains in the next line, is a little willingness. And it is the little willingness to be able to admit that you are wrong. And in the end, Jesus is right. Yeah, it's like, okay, I can you know, maybe question my argument. <laughs> and that what he says in A Course in Miracles is right. But to make the point still once again, and I will probably make it dozens of times in the course of this class, you will not know what he is saying and you will not know the truth of what he is teaching because you're so frightened of what that is. So we need to be really gentle and patient with ourselves. Huh? What, what you will find yourself doing is seeing a part of the course and not understanding its connection with the whole because it is this deeper layer, the so-called hidden level of the course that contains the whole. In a nutshell, and this is a point I will be elaborating on a great deal, what we're really talking about is not really understanding the difference between reality and illusion, not really understanding what non-duality means, and therefore not understanding what duality means. This whole course hinges on a recognizing what reality is and what illusion is. 
and there's the two levels. So, and, and we're not going to figure it out on our own, but we always need Holy Spirit's help to sort those levels out. So, I thought um, lesson 281 would be uh, uh, a good <laughs> lesson for uh, finishing this off since it kind of puts us back in the, the, uh, the hands of the Holy Spirit. And uh, would, would Dave Van Dyke like to read that? <laughs> it's on uh, it's on page four thirty eight. Four thirty eight. If you're up for it, Dave. If this is a trick. No, no, no it's not. No, it's just, I'm just following through on 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 uh, trying to trying to write the injustice of of overlooking you before. All right, all right. Where are we? Less than two eighty one. What was the page number again, Tim? Don't take that first sentence personally, Dave. <laughs> We're on page 438. <laughs> gotcha. Right there. All right. Hmm. <laughs> I can be hurt by nothing but my thoughts. Father, your son is perfect. When I think that I am hurt in any way, it is because I have forgotten who I am and that I am as you created me. Your thoughts can only bring me happiness. If, I am, if ever I am sad or hurt or ill, I have forgotten what you think and put my little meaningless ideas in place of where your thoughts belong and where they are. I can be hurt by nothing but my thoughts. The thoughts I think with you can only bless. The thoughts I think with you alone are true. I will not hurt myself today for I am far beyond all pain my father placed me safe in heaven, watching over me. And I would not attack the son he loves, for what he loves is also mine to love. Beautiful. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so with that, we can all take off our dream repair uh, hats <laughs> and have a peaceful day. <laughs> Thank you all. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And we can all be reborn with a new appreciation of level of confusion and and holy spirit's help in undoing it so anyway thanks dave, dave couldn't take it he left <laughs> <laughs> <Great along. laughs>